Well, good morning again, everyone. It's so exciting to have you here with us this morning. We're so grateful that you've joined us here at Treeline, and we are really excited about starting a brand new series called Stay Positive. And I'm really excited about this series because if I can just be honest with you for a moment, I really need it. It's really hard to be positive in our society and our culture. I I don't know if you've noticed this, but there just seems to be an epidemic of negativism in our culture and our society today. Even like with social media, it seemed like it started out as such a great idea, a way that you could connect with your friends and your family, and then it just became this tidal wave of negativity where everyone just seems to get so irate and irritated all the time and posting all kinds of just negative things and it just seems like everywhere we go we just can't escape it and so I know I need this for my life and I hope this is something that helps you out too that we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about staying positive and so I'm really excited about this series and over the next couple of weeks we're going to be looking at I'm grateful and then it's going to be I'm encouraging, I'm generous, I'm enthusiastic and then finally I'm confident but today we're going to open up the series and we're going to talk about optimism. And so today is called I'm Optimistic. And so I know some people were wired to be optimistic and some people just seem to be pessimistic. And I just know it's a natural tendency that we face one way or the other. And really the funny thing is if you take a look at the Bible verse that says that our cup is running over, the optimist says, oh look, God is blessing me. My cup is running over. Whereas the pessimist says, oh man, my cup is running over. There's going to be a mess in here. Who is going to clean this up? And so it's really not not even just about how we're wired, but sometimes, I don't know about you, but I deal with self-talk in my own head that sometimes I can be down on myself. Sometimes I can be pessimistic even in my own mind where I don't think I have what it takes or I think that my life stinks or it seems like things are bad and I just know they're only going to get worse. And then on top of having to deal with the self-talk in my own head, it's what everyone else has to say going on around us. And if I could just be honest with you, the news cycle is just so hard. I almost can't stomach it anymore. And I know several years ago in the last election cycle, I just had to delete all of the news apps off of my phone because it just was so terrible. And I just found myself in such a bad mood all the time from just reading the headlines because they were just so terrible. And it just seems like everything around us now, it's about the economy is doomed. That families are falling apart. The school systems, man, they just stink. Churches are dying all over the country. And don't even get me started on teenagers and how they're living their life. And you know what? The government is spraying poison on our crops. I mean, what could go worse? I mean, life is just the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket. And so we just see the negativity all around us. But here's what we've got to look at, and here's what we've got to talk about today. We've got to talk about two different birds. And I know we're in Pittsburgh, and we would like to talk about a penguin, right? Pittsburgh penguin, let's go pens. But we're not talking about the penguins today. We'll save that for another day. We're talking about a buzzard and a hummingbird. And so a buzzard flies around all day, and what does it do? It finds dead stuff. And so it just looks for dead things to eat, and that's what a buzzard does all day long. And then what does a hummingbird do? A hummingbird flaps its tiny little wings around as fast as it can, looking for the sweet things. And so it's looking for flowers, it's looking for nectar, and honestly, you know, we like hummingbirds. I mean, I don't know about you, we've put out hummingbird feeders on our deck, you want to attract them, they're really cute, you can come see them, get a little picture, put it on Instagram, right? No one does that with buzzards. No one puts a you know carcass out on the deck waiting for some buzzard to come down and swoop down and feed from it. If you do that, that's another message for another day. But 
this really just goes to show us that you find what you look for in life. You will find what you are looking for. It says this in Proverbs eleven twenty seven: If you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. And so really, you will find what you are looking for in life. If you were just looking for the negative things, you will find them. But if you're looking for the sweet things in life, you will find those too. Now, the interesting thing is, as I begin to talk about this series and staying positive, some of you have already decided that you don't like this series. Matter of fact, you don't even really like church. Maybe the music is just too loud, or is this church even legitimate? They're not even meeting in a real space. I don't have their own building. And, and honestly, we don't like positive thinking. It's like this new age feel-good preaching where we just talk ourselves into a better mood or a positive state. And that's not what we're talking about at all today. It's not simply about talking ourselves into a positive state or just ignoring everything else that's going on in the world. It's simply based on this truth. And the truth is, I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. I'm optimistic based on what God says. And so there's a big difference between being optimistic on just simply what I feel and my emotions or what I see going on and being optimistic based on what God has to say. And so today we're going to take a look at one chapter in one book, Romans 8, and we've got eight reasons from Romans 8 why we can be optimistic. Now, just being honest here, I found about 23 reasons in Romans 8 why we can be optimistic, but if we had to sit through and go through all 23 reasons this morning, you'd probably fall asleep on me, and then you would never be optimistic. And just, you know, keeping it real, eight reasons from Romans 8 sounds a lot cooler than 23 reasons from Romans 8. So we're going to jump in. This is going to go really quick. So if you're taking notes, better get those little finger exercise going and get them warmed up, get the blood flowing in those fingertips so you can get those notes going. And we're going to dive in. It's going to be like shotgun style today. So you're going to have to buckle up. We're going to go through these pretty quick. So number one, I'm optimistic because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. It says this in Romans 8, 1 through 2, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And so this is just an awesome thing to know and a reason why we can be optimistic because if you are in Christ, if you have called on him, if you've surrendered your life and asked him to come into your heart, then you can know that you are forgiven. And I don't know about you, but the reason why I'm optimistic when I hear that is because I have been forgiven of a whole lot. There are a lot of things in my life where I have just fallen short and I have needed God's forgiveness in my life. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that our sins are as far from the east as they are from the West, that he does not hold them against us. So we can be optimistic because our sins are forgiven and our eternity is secure. We don't have to wonder, we don't have to doubt that if God is for us, that he's forgiven us and that our eternity is secure in him. And that is a great reason to be optimistic. Number two, I am optimistic because Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. Jesus at the right hand of God praying for me. It says this in Romans 8:34. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Well, what's interceding mean? It's a really cool word it means that he's praying intensely for us. So we can be optimistic knowing and how cool is that that Jesus is actually daily 
daily. Like he's just at the side of God. He's at the side of the Father praying for us. I don't know if you know anybody who has a really powerful prayer life. They're like those people who just really want praying for you. It's like, you know, if they're praying for you, then it's in the bag that it's going to happen because man, when they pray, it's powerful. And matter of fact, the devil like takes off because, you know, when they pray, things happen. And so I'm thankful that I have people like that in my life who I can ask for prayer. And it's really cool when you have that opportunity for someone to like actually pray for you. Like in that moment, they pray for you. And it's just like when they pray for you, it's so powerful and you just, it's just unbelievable. And they'll, they'll come up to you and they'll put that prayer hand on you. It's not like the normal hand. It's like that, that heavy, hot prayer hand. And they, they lay it on your shoulder and they begin to pray for you. And then they, they put the other hand like up in the air towards heaven and it becomes like a homing beacon, like a satellite looking for that signal. It's like, right? And they find that, that, that signal and they begin to pray for you. And they just, it seems like the earth moves when, and when they begin to pray and you're just so thankful for people like that who pray for you. And it just seems like it's just awesome. And, and I don't know if you have people like that. I hope you do, but I'm thankful for, for friends and, and pastors in my life who I just know just have such an incredible prayer life and how awesome it is to have them praying for us. But here's what I know to be true. I'm optimistic because Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. So if it's that awesome to have someone here on earth who is praying for you. How amazing is it to think about that Jesus, the Son of God, is interceding for you. He's praying intensely for you. That's a great reason to be optimistic. Number three, I am optimistic because my future victory is greater than my present pain. Romans 8.18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now you got to understand who's saying this. This is Paul who wrote this. And Paul has been through a whole lot. I mean, this guy has been shipwrecked. He's had to deal with snakes. I mean, he's been stoned. He's been put in prison. And he's had to go through all of these things. And it seems like the things that I have been through, it seems really trivial when we compare it to what Paul's had to deal with. And so his words carry a lot of weight that he's saying that his present sufferings, which he's been through a whole lot, that it really pales in comparison to the glory that will be revealed. It reminds us of what James said in his first chapter when it says, consider it pure joys, my brother and sisters, for the trials that you face of many kind. For you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let it complete its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything so that we know the testing of our faith produces that perseverance and it it doesn't even compare to what God is going to do in our life. And even if it doesn't seem like it's going to bring about the answers that we're looking for, that what we go through helps us to be conformed to the image of Christ, that we become more like him and become closer to him as we go through those things so we can know that our future victory is so much greater than the present pain that we're going through. Number four, I am optimistic because my mind is filled with the peace of God. Romans 8, 6 says this, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. 
See, did you know that when we go through a situation, when we go through something in life, that we can encounter and experience the peace of God? And I know that I've been through a whole lot of things in life, and Christy, my wife, we've, we've been through a whole lot, and I know that's not unique to us. We all go through trials, and we all go diff- through difficult things, but we've gone through things that just seemed like there was no way we would be able to overcome it. And I know that in those moments, God just gave us such an incredible peace, and something that um, God really just moved in Christie's heart is there's this verse that tells us that God can give us the peace that passes all understanding. Like it doesn't even make sense. Like people won't even understand how you're able to be peaceful as you're going through something so difficult. And something that she really, that stood out to her, something that she learned that she helped teach me is that if you want the peace that surpasses all understanding, then you have to be willing to pass on your ability to understand and trust God with it. And we've had gone through those situations where people around us were just just so amazed. They were just so amazed at the peace that we had. Matter of fact, it reminds me of a story of Jesus when he was with his disciples, and these were the guys that he was doing life with, and they were on a boat, and a storm hit, and Jesus was on the boat, but he was sleeping. And matter of fact, he was like so comfortable and so sleeping that it actually says that he was sleeping on a cushion. So you can have this picture of Jesus sleeping wrapped up in his Snuggie, right? He's probably binge watching on Netflix, and the boat's going down, and the disciples just begin to freak out, and they come and like, Jesus, don't you, you don't even care. You don't even care that the boat's going down. Look at us just, look at him just wrapped up in his Snuggie watching Netflix. He doesn't even care that it's all, it's just, oh, woe is us, it's all going to end. And they just totally freak out on him. And so Jesus just gets up and he tells the winds and the wave and he commands them in the middle of the storm and he tells them to be calm and to be still. And his disciples are absolutely amazed. Why? Because the wind and the waves obey what Jesus says. And they're like, man, who is this that even the wind and the wave obey him? And that's something that I pray constantly and that I love to pray over people. That as Jesus was in the midst of that, it feels like we can't have peace, but we can know that in the midst of the storm, the best place we can be is with Jesus because we can experience the peace of God. Number five, I am optimistic because if God is for me, who can be against me? Oh, I absolutely love this. This is one of my favorite verses in Romans. It says this in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. I love this verse, and I love the, this idea that we can be optimistic because God is for us, then truly, who could possibly be against us? See, if someone doesn't like you, if someone criticizes you or shoots you down, it doesn't matter because if God is for you, it won't matter who is against you. Matter of fact, we shouldn't worry when people persecute us for following after Jesus. If we want to get real this morning, we should be worried when people aren't persecuting us because when we're boldly serving Jesus, the world will push back. The world will push back when you are living a life following after Christ. And so we shouldn't be surprised when they persecute us. We should be concerned when they aren't persecuting us because then it causes us to ask the question, how closely are we truly following after Jesus? And we have to know that if God called us to it, he will provide a way. See, this is a verse that we've been praying a whole lot over the last year. 
See, as God called us here to plant a brand new church, it was a huge step of faith. And honestly, in church planting, there's, there's no guarantees. And I remember when we finally decided to make that step and we, we left two really great full-time paying jobs. We left a community that we really loved being a part of and we, and we took the leap of faith to, to move here to Pittsburgh where God called us to plant a church. And we didn't know how it was going to happen and how it would all come together. But I remember in January, we were challenged to do a 21-day fast and begin to to pray and ask God to, to give us a word for our church for this for this season and for this year. And I was so thankful for the opportunity to do that. And I'm really excited that this January we'll have an opportunity to do a 21-day fast together as a church and seek after God. But I remember in that moment, God just, just assuring me that he was with us. And that, that prayer in my heart really began to develop this verse from Romans 8 that if God is with us, then he's for us. And if He is for us, then there's no one who can be against us. And I remember just wondering, like, where, you know, God, where are all the people going to come from that are going to help us get this church started? And it was just amazing how God began to answer that prayer. And a, a group of people moved here from Indiana to be with us as we started the church. And it was unbelievable, the, the people that we began to meet here. And, and we didn't know how the needs would be, fi- would be filled, but it was like every Every need that we had for each person on the team, each position, God provided those people with those unique giftings and those unique abilities to, to step up to the plate and, and, and join in on this vision and be a part of what we're doing. And then we're like, God, how are we going to raise all of the finances that we need to, to get this church going? And, and God was just so faithful to provide all the fundings with people that we met along the way and people who will never be a part of this church from all over this country that just gave so generously because they believed in this vision that God had given us. And then finally, we're like, how are we going to find a place to meet? If you don't know the story, it's pretty unbelievable. We actually looked at 20 different locations looking for a place to meet for this church, and it was one closed door after another. It was like, man, God, if you, we need you to be for us in this moment because it feels like everybody's against us. And so we finally checked here at PTC at Pittsburgh Technical College, and this was the door that God opened. It was like everyone else was against us, but here we found a door that was open, and they were for us, and they wanted us here. And so we've seen God over and over and over again, be faithful and show us this word to be true, even as we planted and started Tree Line Church, that if God is for us, no one can be against us. I actually experienced this in my own life. When I was really young, my dad was a manager of a Wendy's restaurant. And then after that, he was actually a manager of a a steakhouse called Western Steer. They don't exist anymore. But I remember when I was young, it was so great to have your dad be the manager of a restaurant because, man, you know you're hanging out in the kitchen, especially at Wendy's. I mean, we just, you know, back there with just our mouths underneath the Frosty machine, just drinking directly out of the Frosty machine. And No, we didn't really do that. But we probably did have way more Frosties than we need. And you got to dip those French fries in the Frosty, right? There's just, there's no other way. And can we just say for a moment the only real frosty is the chocolate frosty. I don't know what's up with that vanilla frosty. It's just chocolate frosty is the real deal. And I remember when my dad was the manager of the steakhouse, like it was just so great. We'd be up there in the salad bar all the time, eating all that little hot pepper cheese off the salad bar. And just uh, my favorite were those little sirloin tips. Oh, like little angels from heaven on the plate. They were so good with a little bit of A1 sauce. Just life-changing, cooked them medium well, oh, just just so good, and it just, you know, and it was great because when your dad's the manager of the restaurant, if your dad's the boss, what employee can be against you, right, and so it was such a great place to be, and so we can know that if that's true, as your dad is the manager, that you've got it made, that you got to know that if God is for you, there is no one who can be against you.
All right, moving on. Number six, I am optimistic because God's spirit helps me in weakness. It says this in Romans 8, Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. See, we can be optimistic knowing that when we are down, He holds us up. When we're hurting, He is our comfort. And if you feel alone, you've got to know that God is your friend. And the greatest thing is, is that in our weakness, He shows Himself strong. See, sometimes we just feel like if we just man up enough, if we just try to go through the motions, if we just try to do it all on our own, if we just try to come at it with every option, thinking that we're strong enough, that we've got this, that we can make it happen, and it just seems like we fail over and over again, and we can just become so frustrated frustrated, but we've got to know sometimes it's just simply surrendering to God and saying, God, I don't got this, that I need you in my life, that I surrender to you. Can you please come in my weakness and show yourself strong, that we can know that God's spirit helps us. And when we are weak, when we don't have it, that he shows up in us and he shows himself strong, that I can be optimistic that even on a bad day, a terrible, rotten, no good, bad day, that we can know that we can get to know God better in that moment because he is with us, that he promises us, that he shows up in our weakness and that we can be thankful and optimistic that when we are weak, he will show himself strong in our life. Number seven, I am optimistic because God's word is working. God is working everything in my life for good. I am optimistic because God's working everything in my life for good. This is a pretty popular verse in Romans 8. You might have heard this one before. And it says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. We have been called according to his purpose. Do you know what the word there, it says, in all things, in the Greek word all, what that means there, it actually means in Greek all. It means all things, like nothing's excluded, which really is hard to believe sometimes, especially when you're going through a really difficult situation. You can't begin to understand how God could possibly bring something good out of it. But here's what I know to be true, that we serve a God who specializes in redeeming unredeemable, terrible, crappy situations. When it doesn't seem that there's any way that God could possibly do something good with the situation, that we serve a God who specializes in redeeming the unredeemable and see what the devil meant for evil God will use for good and you've got to believe that no matter what you are going through even if you don't see it you've got to know that God is going to work through it and he's going to use it for your good see I remember Many years ago, more years than I would like to admit, when I was in college, we had to go through something with the beginning of the school year called validation. And it was a very dreaded process. And it just didn't seem like they had really figured out how to make this work well. And it was just terrible and it tormented all of us at the beginning of the school year. Actually, every semester you had to get validated. And so there's all these students, hundreds of students, going from room to room in the academic buildings, the administrative offices, trying to get validated. And validated 
updated simply mean that meant that you had all of your um, finances in order. So basically, the school was going to get paid because that was kind of important to them. That you had all of your classes selected, that everything was in order, and then you got this really awesome stamp on your paper that you were validated, that you could start classes, you could begin attending college. And I remember one year it was so frustrating. I couldn't get through the validation process, and everywhere I went, I just hit a roadblock, and no one was able to help me. And I remember being so frustrated because I'm like, God, God, I am here at Bible school studying to to be a pastor, to go into ministry, and I'm here trying to learn about you, and I just can't get this stupid stamp in order to just move forward and, and start these classes. And I remember finally just being so frustrated, I just wanted to give up. And then I was walking through this hall in this one building, and I, and I saw this room, and there were there was just one person in there, um, and I noticed that this was a room set up to validate the athletes. And so the athletes had their actually their own little process that they could go through to get validated. Well, me, I'm not an athlete. I know that might surprise some of you by looking at me. You'd probably be pretty shocked by that statement. But I'm not, I'm not an athlete. But I just remember in that moment being so desperate that I walked in and there was a lady and there was no one in there but just this one lady. And I'm like, can you help me? And she was like, yes, what's, what's the issue? And so I told her what was going on. I gave her the paper and the problem that no one was able to help me with. She literally picks up the phone, makes like a 10-second phone call, and she's like, the issue is resolved. You're, you're ready to go. Stamps my paper. Get that validation stamp. I've got that bad boy framed up on the wall above the mantle today because it was such a big deal to me in that moment. And I was so thankful in that moment that she helped me out. And the craziest thing is, is that when I was done, I was walking out of the room and I was going to turn around to thank her and the room was empty. She disappeared. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. But that would be a really cool story, wouldn't it? That'd be pretty awesome if that, that happened. But she was like an angel to me in that moment. And um, a matter of fact, even as a college student, tell you what a big deal it was to me. I went out of my way to find out who her supervisor was and actually contacted them, sent an email and just thanked them for how awesome she was. And they told them they needed to give her a raise because she was really awesome and helped me out quite a bit. And so you've got to know that God is working everything for good in your life. And so if someone has hurt you, it doesn't matter. God is going to work through that. If you are suffering, that he will bring comfort to you in that moment. You've got to know that God is going to work every situation together for the good. And so that is why we can be optimistic Number eight, we can be optimistic because nothing can separate me from the love of God. This is number eight and the last one and is probably my favorite one on the list. And so as we wrap up today, as we finish with number eight, the band's going to come up and begin to play. But as we finish this one on number eight, you've got to know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, I love this verse. This is something I pray all the time in my life. This is something I love to pray over other people because it's such a powerful thing to know that we can be optimistic knowing that there is nothing that can separate us from a God that loves us so intensely. And that means that no matter where I go, my God is there with me. 
that no matter what I do, no matter how bad I mess up, it doesn't matter how much I just, things don't seem like they could get any worse, that he still loves you. That no matter what happens to you, no matter what you go through, no matter the situation or the circumstance that you face, that he is for you. See, it's such a powerful thing to know that God's love, that there is nothing. And I love how intense the language gets here, that Paul just goes out of his way to explain this intense love of God that is chasing you down, that is always for you, that is never against you. That God loves you so much that nothing can separate you from that love. And maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to hear that message. If nothing else, if nothing else sticks out of this list of eight today, that this one will really just land on your heart today and know that nothing you can do can separate you from the love of God, that you feel that you've been too far, that you've done too much, or that you feel unlovable, or that you feel that you don't deserve it that you've got to know that there is a God who is for you and that loves you and nothing can separate you from that love. And so today we can know that I'm not optimistic because of what I see and I'm not optimistic because of what I feel, but I am simply optimistic based on what God says that I am optimistic because my sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, he doesn't hold them against me. That I am optimistic because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now interceding on your behalf, praying for you. I am optimistic because my present sufferings are not worth even comparing with the future victory of what he's going to do in my life. And I'm optimistic because my mind is filled with the peace of God, the peace that passes understanding. It doesn't even make sense that I could have this kind of peace that I'm optimistic because my God is for me. And if he is for me, there is absolutely nobody who can be against me. He's got my back. That I'm optimistic because God's spirit helps me in my weakness. It is when I'm at my lowest, when I'm at my weakness and that surrender to him that he shows himself strong. That I'm optimistic because God is working everything for the good in my life. It doesn't matter if it seems that there's no way it can be redeemed. You've got to know we serve a God who specializes in redemption and he will work it for the good. And finally, I'm optimistic because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing in heaven, nothing in earth, no one's actions, nothing that I've done, nothing anyone says. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks or feels about me. Matter of fact, it doesn't even matter what I think about myself. Nothing can separate me from his love. See, church, when the world points out all of the negative things in the world, and yes, there are a lot of bad things happening out there, but we don't dwell and focus on those things. We are simply optimistic because of what God says. See, it's all about being a buzzard or hummingbird. Are you going to fly around and simply just be searching for dead things like the buzzard? Or are you going to choose to be like that awesome little hummingbird flapping those wings like crazy looking for the sweet things that God has to say about us in his word see this is just one chapter of one book in the Bible of promises that we can stand on and reasons why we can be optimistic as we close today I want to pray for us because I know for me personally this can be such a challenge this can be something that's so difficult It's so difficult, especially in the culture and the world and society around us that we face is so negative and so pessimistic. So I just want to take a moment 
with heads bowed and eyes closed to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that, Lord, that we are not optimistic based on what we feel because we will feel down and and our emotions will let us down, God, but we can be optimistic standing on these promises in your word. God, I pray that you would help us to begin to change the way we think and that you would help us to be like that hummingbird, Lord, seeking out the sweet things in life, God, seeking the sweet things that you have to say in your word, God. Lord, and I have to wonder what would happen if we begin to think this way in in our homes, how it could change a family how it could change a home dynamic, Lord, what it would look like if we began to be optimistic based on what you said in our, in our work environment, in our workspaces, God. Lord, what it would look like in our schools or even, even in our church, God, what it would look like if we began to begin optimistic, Lord, knowing that you say these things and we can stand on these promises, God, regardless of what we feel, regardless of what we see, that we can be optimistic, God, knowing that these promises are there for us to stand on. So God, I just pray that you would help us to begin focusing on those things, Lord. And Lord, when everything begins to crowd us in our minds and our thoughts and we begin to deal with that negative self-talk or we begin to engage in those negative conversations or the world just begins to be so loud in our ears, it seems like we can't focus on those positive things, God, that you would help us to focus on those promises you've given us in our word. God, thank you. Thank you, God, that we can be optimistic based not on what I feel, but on what you say in your word. So we thank you, God, and we give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.